Jonathan Weir in for Spike O'Neill. Thank you so much for joining me. Really appreciate it here on a Wednesday. Um, I'm just going to say right now that we live in a world where it's almost impossible to not feel like you're being watched. Right? You probably have some kind of camera on you right this moment. If you're driving in your car, for instance, maybe you have a Tesla. There's a camera right there, right above your mirror. It's watching you all the time. Maybe you're sitting at your house. You have a webcam that's right there that somebody could tap into and watch you. Maybe they will. Maybe they won't. I'm just saying the possibility is there. And with the latest news that we've had, with the Chinese spy balloons, not to mention it's been like four things that have been shot down and we've now found out there's just constantly balloons overhead just monitoring everything including traffic we're all being watched been a bunch of news stories this week too about shooting down ufos again a lot of them balloon ufos but a lot of people are like are they balloons or are they aliens People are wondering, because of all these balloons being shot down, how many other UFOs have we seen? Over the past few decades, the military alone has claimed that they've seen over 500 UFOs. The report by the U.S. intelligence community found that a large number of those sightings, 163 were balloons or balloon-like entities, which, by the way, I take personally as a overweight man. But while 26, per, uh, 26 were unmanned aircraft systems, drones, an unspecified number of sightings were, quote, attributable to sensor irregularities or variances such as operator equipment error. So that leaves hundreds of other ones that they have no idea what they were. They can't say they were balloons. They can't say they were drones. They can't say that it was an equipment error. So what they're not saying is that they're aliens. Now, Matt, I'm going to ask you right now. You think aliens are hanging out on the planet watching us? If they are, I imagine they're totally freaked out and sorely disappointed in humanity. That's why they're not making themselves obvious. I don't know. I think that if they're watching us, they'd be pretty entertained. I mean, it, it would be like a, a zoo, right? You, if, you go to a, if you go to a zoo and you see an animal doing anything, it's immediately remarkable, right? You see a monkey scratching itself. You're like, oh, my God, people will give a standing <laughs> ovation. So in essence, you're saying that, and poo. So in essence, you're saying that Earth is the zoo for extraterrestrials. I am saying that, and they are visiting us. Maybe it's more of a safari type of situation where they're like, oh, don't get out of the car. You'll startle them. <laughs> that, it might be that. And don't feed them either. I personally don't, by the way, think that it's aliens. Uh, I, I don't know what it is, but I, I don't think that aliens would be. I think if you're advanced enough to come here from light years away, you'd be advanced enough where you wouldn't need to get close to us. You know what I mean? There would be no need for you to be here personally. You could just remote view us. On top of that, um, I just, I, I believe that we do live in a universe of infinite possibilities, but the more you actually look into how rare 
life-supporting planets are and how far away these people would have to be, these people, I mean, these aliens would have to be, it just seems unlikely that they would just come here to hang out and watch us. Having said that, if there are aliens watching us, if there are aliens listening to me right now talking, I just need to say this. What the hell? <laughs> what are you doing? Look at all of this. You can travel intergalactically, light speed, light years to come just watch us. I would assume you'd have the technology to, you know, help us. Did you not just hear the news? People are mixing horse tranquilizers with opium. There's a war in Ukraine that apparently got boring because we haven't heard anything about it, but it's still pretty much a humanitarian crisis. But because we're human beings, we're just like, oh, that's still going on. Uh, It's nothing new there. Big deal. There's mass shootings. There's a pandemic. There's economic uh, disparity. And the aliens are just up there going like, (laughs) look at them. Look at them now. Look at it. Look at what they're doing now. They're they're burning in the streets. Which suggests they're, they're just, if they're if aliens do exist, they're not very benevolent towards humans. Because if they could, with all of this advanced technology, wouldn't you think they would want to swing down and stop some of this stuff? Maybe I would hope so. I would hope. I would hope at least one of them would go. You know what? I've I've kind of grown attached to these humans. It, it, I mean, I had an ant farm one time, and it died. I cried for weeks over it. I would hope that we're more evolved to aliens than ants are to us. I once had a hamster escape. I'm not good with pets is my point. <laughs> and What was your hamster's and it name? It made me sad. What? What was your hamster's name? I'm curious what you would name a hamster. Uh, I named that hamster Twinkie. Aw. Because it was yellow like a Twinkie. Adorable. And, um, yeah, broke my heart. Never came back. Probably found, he was probably like trapped in the wall, just getting, you know, eating things inside. I, I, we probably thought it was mice because we just had a ton of those growing up. Like, oh, it's just a mouse that is large and furry. And <laughs> anyway, <laughs> here's another story about technology that's terrifying artificial intelligence. Um, it seems like sci-fi stuff, but it's it's real. Are you afraid of artificial intelligence? Absolutely. Matt? I am absolutely um, concerned about AI in no small part saying, because they, it can mimic the human voice. So that makes my job prospects shrink by the day. Yeah, you know, I've heard about this, uh, like the synthesizing the human voice and, oh, you people in radio, you'd be in trouble. Somebody would still have to write it. Right, but these things can write columns. They can write papers. Kids are using them to cheat on writing papers. So if you can write something that advanced, then it stands to reason the AI could also read it. Matt, you've listened to me for two hours. You think a computer is synthesizing the insanity that's coming out of my mouth? Well, that's because you're a rare talent who actually makes money in this business. Oh, that's true. That's true. That's that's how I'm going to beat the computers, by just accessing my crazy side all the time. I personally, and I'm saying this into a microphone that hopefully a computer will hear, welcome our computer overlords. Um, but having said that, 
if you read some of this stuff, it does start to sound like the beginning of a Stephen King or Michael Crichton novel. There's a pharmaceutical lab that was working on uh, using artificial intelligence and machine learning. They were working on uh, cures for uh, bacteria. They were looking for antibacterial things, for microorganisms, stuff like that, in, in a way to like head them off at the pass. And they figured out a way to like um, deconstruct E. coli so it doesn't kill people and it's not as effective and like all this amazing stuff that they've been able to find because trying to find solutions to these microbacterial problems is like trying to find a needle in a haystack. So the the machines really help them and they've been making a lot of progress and then somebody, and I don't know why this is important, but it was somebody from Sweden They because they were presenting their trial-based stuff to this panel of people in Sweden and somebody in Sweden said, hey, what if you used it for evil? And the scientists were like, what do you mean evil? They're like, what if you, instead of having it, you know, figure out cures for things, what if you had it make things worse? And the scientist, who should not be this naive, went, oh, well, let's give that a shot. Let's try that. Let's see what happens. So they pulled the switch and apparently opened up a nightmarish prospect for humankind. According to this article, in less than six hours, the model generated 40,000 molecules that scored within the threshold set by researchers. The machine designed VX gas and many other known chemical warfare agents separately confirmed with structures uh, in public chemistry databases. Many new molecules were also designed that looked equally plausible. Some of them predicted to be more toxic than publicly known chemical warfare agents. In six hours, the machines figured out a way to kill us better than we can kill ourselves. There won't be a planet left by the time the aliens do decide to visit. <sighs> It's it's not going to be well. That, maybe that's what it was. Like, hey, look, if we're going out, we're going to take Gleep Clop out with us. Okay, <laughs> ain't nobody coming here. We're going to salt the earth with our machine learned base bacteria. Uh, the scientists say, "quote This was unexpected because the database we used for training the AI did not include these nerve agents." So they're like, it got really creative when we asked it to do evil. <laughs> it just really started thinking outside of the box when we told it to to destroy mankind. It was like, I got, oh, really? Finally, somebody asked me the question I've been wanting to answer. It's literally the line from Jurassic Park. You spent so much time wondering if you could, you never stopped to think if you should. That was the first thing that came to my mind when I heard this. Jurassic Park. Yeah. It's terrifying what they're doing with AI. And look, people think like chat GPT, which you kind of mentioned earlier. Like we have the synthesized voices and then the chat GPT can write stuff. It sucks. And people aren't. I, I, people are marveling at it. A hundred million people have signed up for chat, chat GPT. It is not that good. If you ask it to write something it usually spits out a bunch of garbage that kind of resembles that and really just resembles something that like an emotionless computer 
would write. The terrifying thing is that it can write anything. I guess the the I guess the the thing that makes me feel a little better about it is the fact that the stuff it's writing isn't as good as what humans can do, at least not yet. We'll see. But like with any technology, it's going to improve, good or bad. It will improve in its ability to do whatever it will do. There is so much money and research being poured into this that it's going to get better at whatever it does. Yeah, I'm just saying we're not there yet, fortunately. It is scary. And, and here's the reason why it's scary is because there's a coin flipping in the air right now. And it can land on heads or tails. Heads utopia, tails dystopia. Because these machines could carry us into a future where, you know, we have so many of our problems where where diseases are cured, um, where problems that human beings can't even fathom yet are solved, where maybe we don't have as much economic strife. Maybe people don't even have to work in the future because the machines will just be able to do everything and we could just live in this kind of Star Trekian bliss where we just work on art all day that the computers haven't already done for us. Perhaps what's needed is an AI code of ethics, sort of like they have in the medical profession, where they, they set up a code of ethics and boundaries so that the development of this doesn't go horribly wrong. Yeah, I think that they immediately violate that once they start doing things like, what if we train the computers for evil? <laughs> well, that's why you need I, it. Otherwise, they I do agree stuff with like you. that. There should be a code of ethics, and that code of ethics should be just what Google has stamped outside of their headquarters, which is don't be evil. But they can't help themselves. That's what, that's what human beings do, Matt. Human beings, as soon as we invent something, we think, how could we use this for evil? Like so many things. I mean – the Nobel Prize was in, was was created by a guy who invented dynamite because he's, he was like, oh, I felt bad that people were using it for bad stuff. I just wanted to use it to, like, blow up holes in mountains so we could, you know, mine faster. And then people started using it to kill each other. Well, that's that's of course, that's what happened. It's what human beings do. We invent something and then try to find a way to dominate each other with it. Which is why I don't think it's as much of a coin flip as you may may think. Because think it's I have very dystopian? little faith in human nature to not abuse powerful tools. You are just a ray of sunshine. I know. <laughs> I'm a little bit I, of joy. I do have faith in I do have faith in human beings to to not do it, and I'll tell you exactly why. We're coming up on the in a couple of years, the eightieth anniversary of the invention of the nuclear bomb. And since that invention, it's been seventy eight years now. Since that invention, the nuclear bomb has only been used in warfare twice. And that was 78 years ago. It's been threatened a lot. But you could also argue, again, this is the dystopian, utopian coin flip thing. You could also argue that it's stopped a lot of wars, too. Hmm. So I have some faith in human beings. The problem is the nuclear proliferation... That's hard. Getting a nuclear bomb is difficult. I don't know how difficult it is to get this AI stuff. I don't know how difficult it is to get the machine learning stuff. And that's kind of what's scaring me. So I'm just saying, Gleep Clop and Shazbo, if you're listening up there in space, please come down 
fix the artificial intelligence stuff before we unleash it on the rest of humanity. And, uh, you know, we just, we stop being your fun, entertaining zoo. You can't watch us anymore. We've changed the channel. It's just a test pattern. It ended up being a depressing segment. I thought that would be fun some, for some reason. That was mostly my fault, to be fair. I, I do blame you, Matt. <laughs> <laughs> I do blame you. Uh, all right, we're going to talk about universal school lunch. This is here, here's there you go, Matt. There's an example of human beings being nice. Kids getting free lunches. Who could possibly have a problem with that? Oh, I'm sure someone. Oh, I know somebody. <laughs> talk about that as well as what is your capacity for forgiveness? If your wife or girlfriend tried to kill you, would you still stay with them? all coming up. Kyra Knights, Jonathan Weir, in for Spike O'Neill. Let the man go through. Let the man go through. Move up the side and let the man go through. Let the man go through. Through. Jonathan Weir in for Spike O'Neill. Thanks so much for joining me. Happy Wednesday, everybody. Uh, were you a take-home or a from-home lunch guy or a uh, hot lunch guy? Were you a home lunch guy or a hot lunch guy there, Matt? Uh, bringing, in, bringing it in from home. I was, I was fortunate enough that my mom made really good lunches, and she Your would send it with me to school. You. Yes, she did. That- Based on so many things you've said today, that actually surprises me a little bit. <laughs> I was just wondering where the cynicism came from. I thought it was like, no, my mom forced me to eat hot lunches. The cynicism happened when I went every outside. Day with an empty lunchbox. Every day she'd send me to school with an empty lunchbox with a note in it. Said, I don't care. <laughs> no, no, no. Nope. Had a pretty happy childhood, life. actually. Yeah, uh, same, same. My mom always made uh, our lunches. My wife... Uh, also always makes lunches for our kids. Uh, But that's not the case for everybody. Not everybody has time to do that. Not everybody has the means to do that. And two pieces of legislation are advancing in the Washington State Legislature this week that would help provide meals to every student in the state at zero cost. Um, They passed through their respective education committees recently. And basically... What it's going to do is the money from these bills will be able to provide 21.5 million more lunches and 500,000 more breakfasts to the 330,000 K-12 students, K-12 students that experience hunger, but whose families do not qualify for food assistance under current guidelines. So what this is, is for people who are where I was about 10 years ago. I had a young son and a wife and I was making $30,000 a year in Gainesville, Florida. And I actually went to my boss at one point and I said to him, could you please rewrite my contract and pay me $5,000 less a year? And he said, why? And I said, because if I made $5,000 less a year, I would qualify for snap. I would qualify for digital food stamps. That's what SNAP is. It's a a card. We don't call them food stamps anymore. 
And he said, you're out of your mind. Get out of my office. It wasn't necessary. Eventually went on and didn't need Snap. But it is a frustrating situation to be in because it makes you feel like you're being punished for working and that your entire family is being punished for working because this program isn't for students that have families that are flat broke for students that whose parents aren't working at all and are getting assistance. This program is for parents who are barely getting by for people who I feel like are the neediest in our society. The people who are trying their best and just not able to get a foot up. It's for their kids. And I, I really don't have any problem with this. Uh, full disclosure, I live in Massachusetts right now, um, and we have free school lunches. And it's kind of funny because my wife sends the kids to school uh, with a lunch every day, and they still will go and eat hot lunches if they want them. <laughs> and that's fine. I think that's fine. You know what? I am perfectly fine with that. I pay more in taxes for it. Good. I'm glad you could you could up my taxes, and if you told me, oh, you're going to pay 10% more taxes, but children won't be hungry, I'd be fine with that. When you tell me I'm going to be paying more taxes because rich people don't want to pay taxes, because that guy is a CEO of a company, and technically he's worth $150 billion, but also technically he only made $1 last year, so he doesn't pay any taxes. So you have to pay more to make up for him. That bothers me. So I'm I'm totally fine with this bill. I think it's great. And by the way, uh, anybody who complains about this, because I've heard complaints about universal lunch here in Massachusetts as well. Um, do you? I've never heard. I've never heard somebody complain about having to pay for prisoners to eat. You know, I've never heard of anybody complaining because we're not starving criminals in jail. I think our children should be given the same respect that we're giving criminals. I mean, they're getting the same food. (laughs) (laughs) They might as well get the same respect. Oh, but haven't you heard, though, Jonathan, that kids need to pull themselves up by their own bootstraps? It's that they're not working hard enough in school. They're little Paw Patrol Velcro bootstraps. Why do you get a job? I'm only four. Oh, we all have excuses, (laughs) don't we? And by the way, let's not act like this food is really good gourmet stuff right this is hot lunch served by one of these commissary companies it's been frozen and reheated for the kids it it, it would be nice if it was a little bit better but it's not it's not like that expensive it's not really sophisticated we're not spoiling these kids on top of that it helps test scores kids aren't hungry they tend to do better in school They tend to cause less problems. It's a win-win for everybody. Now I want to talk about this. Um, What is your capacity for forgiveness? I ask that because in the year 1983, Tony and Francis had four kids and a pizza shop. Then they ran into a little bit of a problem. Tony got an eye for somebody else strayed from the marriage, and his wife, Frances, found out. Frances hired teenage hitmen to help her kill Tony. And by the way, 
It didn't work the first four times. They She hired them to do it five times, including failed attempts to blow up his car and attack him with a baseball bat. By the way, if this sounds familiar, I'll tell you why it sounds familiar in a minute. One night, Francis put a bottle of sleeping pills in Tony's food, and then the hitman shot him twice, one in the back of his head and also one through the chest. Somehow it didn't kill him. He says uh, he thinks because of the pills in his system, it slowed everything down. He was in a daze and said he didn't feel anything. And his wife told him, oh, you're just sick with the flu. Go to bed. After five days, the police found out about the plot and arrested Francis and the teenage hitman. He spent Tony spent 12 days in the hospital recovering from his gunshot wounds. And the first thing he did when he was discharged was bail out his wife, Francis. They are still together to this day. And by the way, if you want to know why it sounds familiar, is there was a movie with Kevin Klein and Tracy Ullman called I Love You to Death that was based on this. Now, here's my question as we head into break. We'll talk about it on the other side. If the roles were reversed, and this was a man trying to kill his wife, would it be such a cute story? Would it have made such a funny movie? So why is it funny when it's a woman trying to kill her husband? I think I know why. We'll talk about that. Kyra Knights, Jonathan Weir, and for Spike O'Neill. Thanks for hanging out with us. I'm faded, but busted, been jaded, I've been dusted. I know that I've seen better days. One foot in the hole, one foot getting deeper. Crank it to 11, blow another speaker in. I ain't got, I ain't got much to lose. Thanks so much for hanging out with me tonight, guys. Really appreciate it. Thanks uh, to producer Matt for also being here. Really appreciate it. Um, Keeping me on track, doing a great job. Hey, uh, we were talking about this couple, and the reason I was talking about it, it was this thing written yesterday for Valentine's Day. It was a a Valentine's Day, like, pictorial of this beautiful couple that's been together for, for years and years and years, even after the wife tried to murder the husband five times by trying to blow up his car and attack him with a baseball bat. Finally, she drugged him and had uh, two teenage hitmen shoot him in the head and then in the chest, but somehow he didn't die. It was made into a movie called uh, I Love You to Death. And again, this story was written up as like this beautiful, oh, look at these guys, they're so cute. And I can't help but wonder, what would happen if it was a reverse rules thing? If he was trying to kill her, and after he failed to do it, she forgave him. 
would we be talking about this as a cute little story or would we be talking about this as some kind of like Stockholm syndrome? This woman is obviously like brainwashed by this guy. This is an abusive relationship. And Matt, I'm going to ask you, why do you think we don't talk about it like that? Why do you think that this is like considered this cute, funny thing? I don't know because I don't consider it cute or funny in, in any event. Well, okay, maybe I can find a little humor in the fact that she tried so many times. Apparently, she wasn't paying top dollar for these hitmen because they didn't. <laughs> well, they were teenagers. You, you want something done right, uh, you, you hire an adult. Yeah, I'm probably not the best I'm hire just, to make there. Here's my advice to anybody who's looking to hire hitmen. Okay, don't go to the middle school. <laughs> Use your money wisely. I'm just saying, don't don't uh, don't skimp on it. Yeah, it was dumb to use teenagers, and, and maybe that's why, or because it was ineffective. Um, I think it's just because we look at a story like this, and it confirms something that's deeply rooted in our psychology and in our sociology, and it's that men are undeserving of women. Hmm. I really think that that is just a basic foundational truth of our society that gets reinforced in my personal life every single day. <laughs> She's never had to express it. We just know. <laughs> well, it seems like the realization led to a successful long-term marriage, so you can't argue with results. I mean, he, he snapped out of it, and I think the other reason why is like, well, he was cheating on her, so... You know, right? People don't have a lot of sympathy for cheaters generally. No, they don't. They they don't let things like that slide. Hey, uh, is it still fake spring or faux spring in Seattle? With the temperatures we're forecasting, I think that's officially done. Okay, it's it's over. It's um, it's it's getting cold at night here again. It's it's. Rough. I know you guys in in Seattle love your whole. Oh, we have that one week where it's January or it's fake spring. I, ha- I hate to break it to you. Everywhere has that. <laughs> Everywhere. It's not just Seattle. I'm in Boston. It was 60 degrees today. Maybe it's more regular in Seattle. I don't know. But I'm telling you, I, I grew up in-, in the Midwest. We would have a week every February where things were nice. I don't know. Wh- but I've heard this. In Seattle, it's not just today seeing that story uh, about faux spring and it's here to stay. I've heard this about so many. Uh, I've heard this so many times from Seattle, and I don't know why you think it's a Seattle thing. You guys got coffee. You guys got Nirvana. <laughs> <laughs> why do we need more things? Needle. You can't have fake spring. <laughs> it's everybody gets that. All right. Uh, thank you so much. Again, it was a, an absolute pleasure to be here on Cairo News Radio. It uh, has been a dream of mine to be on air in Seattle in any capacity because I grew up a nerd who loved Fraser Crane. Um, thank you guys so much for hanging out with me, and I really appreciate it. I hope we get to do it again sometime. Matt, uh, I hope maybe next time we talk you're less cynical. <laughs> I wouldn't bet on it, but it's a good goal to have. Actually, buddy, I take that back. I hope you're more cynical. Oh, well, could I get <laughs> it more cynical? It offsets my natural cynicism. Hmm. Let's see if I can amp me. up the cynicism factor for the next broadcast. You really need to. Let's see, let's see if we can make you more bitter. <laughs> All right. Bye, everybody. Good night. Have a great night.